This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. Well, it's a big podcast today as we roll into the weekend of playoff football games. Now, the Eagles don't play on the weekend. I don't know, Monday night comes out of nowhere. They're going to play a Monday night playoff game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. We all know what the ramifications of this game are. If the Eagles lose the game, I think you will see a total overall overhaul of the Eagles coaching staff. The head coach, the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, the assistants, all of that will be determined by the front office. If they win the game, and I'm going to tell you up front, I think they will, by the skin of their teeth, the line is three right now. I think they will win by two or even one. I think Sirianni saves his job, but I think at the end, Mr. Owner calls him in the office and says, listen, we would love to go for you with another year, but here's what you have to do. You have to fire and rehire all your, uh, your coordinators and your staff, and we're going to give you some well thought out suggestions for you to follow. I think that's the way it's going to come out. Now let's look at the game itself. There are a lot of people have bailed out on the Eagles. And uh, what I say to them is you're right to bail out on the Eagles. They have no chance to do anything in my opinion, beyond this game. The season has turned into a disaster. You start out 10 and one, you wind up with 11 wins. You go one and five in your last six. That's pretty much a disaster. I don't uh, uh, know exactly how it happened. You can trace the steps. You can do the autopsy, which we've done. Uh, and it started with the San Francisco 49ers just taking their heart away from them. And then the panic uh, of changing the offensive defensive coordinators. And then the, the ranker in the locker room with A.J. Brown. And, and it goes on and on and on. And, and you can pile all that up uh, when we're in the offseason. And, and this is what happened to the Eagles season. And, and you can do it as well as I can. Uh, all right. Tampa Bay, conversely has won five of his last six games. They have buttoned down their defense a lot. Todd Bowles has always been a good defensive coordinator against the Philadelphia Eagles. He blitzes, and we'll get into the X and O's of that. But there is no way you're going to tell me that even though Tampa Bay is riding a high, that they are a better football team than the Eagles. Now, we kind of forget about the fact that they were good enough to go 10-1. and Tampa Bay wasn't good enough to go 10-1. and So on paper, I believe the Eagles have the edge. And that's the reason why I think they will prevail by, by the skin of their teeth. They will win a close game. And other people out there say, well, what does it matter? Well, it matters. It matters to win a playoff game uh, as opposed to losing in the first round after you started off the season 10-1. and It's not going to uh, reduce the sting of getting hammered by the 49ers in the second round. Although some strange things could happen, and maybe you don't play the 49ers in, in the second round if the Rams upset the Dallas Cowboys. So let's get into the X and O's of this game primarily. Let's go with the Eagles versus the Tampa Bay offense. We know the Eagles defense 
has been a pile of doo-doo. And it, it, they're not going to fix it in one week. And in fact, the defensive coordinator has caused more confusion than help with the Eagles' uh, defense. So um, we all know what's happening. The defensive end's not getting any pressure. They're, they're misplaying Hassan Reddick, who can't drop in coverage, and they insist on putting him in coverage. Their linebackers are weak, although Zach Cunningham is coming back. Their defensive tackles are played out. Uh, Jordan Davis and, and Jalen Carter and, and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham is cooked. So we're trying to get blood from a stone defensively here. Now, here's what uh, Tampa does on offense. They use 12 personnel. That's a two tight end set, and they used it 23.7% of the time this year. That is top five in the NFL. So the Eagles are going to have to see a lot of that, which means they may have to drop some defensive linemen in coverage. And one of the guys they've been using in that situation is Nolan Smith, a young guy who's really not ready for prime time, and we've seen that he has not responded well when put in that role. Now, the Eagles' offense used to have long drive acumen. If you look at the stats at the end of the year, you'll find that the Eagles – we're sixth in the league in yards and points per drive. But 15.3% of those drives ended in turnovers, which is the most third most in the league. All right. They have long drives. They also give it up. So it negates that. In the first game against the Bucs, keep in mind they beat them 25-11 earlier this year. The Bucs weren't as obviously the team they are now. The Eagles were on a high. Eagles rushed for 201 yards in that first game. DeAndre Swift, who's back in the lineup, had 130. But since that game, the Bucs buttoned down their defense. They ended up fifth in the NFL against the rush. So I know there are people out there saying, all you got to do is run the ball. You should run the ball more against this team. Well, Tampa Bay has proven that they're pretty good against the run. So uh, I don't think they're going to run the ball. The Eagles have only scored 20 plus points in three of the last five games. I have just described for you a meltdown on both sides of the football. So you're saying to yourself, well, Mike, are you out of your mind? How, how are the Eagles going to win? I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't know, except I believe in the better roster. Tampa Bay, I think, is a paper tiger. They're not even a tiger, frankly. So I think the Eagles are going to outlast them in this game. And I'm looking at a score like, I don't know, 23-21, something like that. The line currently is three points. It started off at three, went down to a point and a half, and it's back up to three now after it went up to two and a half. So there's some money coming in on the Eagles, which now makes them a three-point favorite. All right, let's bring in producer Darren. Darren, what is your feeling on this game in general? Uh, I got a couple things here. Um, first of all, huh, all right. So, yes, the Bucks do run a lot of 12 personnel. You're right. Their tight ends are Co-Cleft and K-Dot. Uh, I'm not more, Very underrated. Uh, Very underrated okay, tight maybe. ends. Maybe. They don't send a chill of fear down my spine. Now, that's okay. Maybe Cunningham back's going to help a little bit. I will say this. The Eagles are going to be healthier on Monday than they've been overall as a team. Than they've been in weeks. They really, I mean, so, but the one thing this team doesn't do offensively is throw between the numbers. They haven't done it all year. I've been screaming for it. When they do, they are highly successful. I would like to see that Monday night because I think they can take advantage of Tampa's linebackers and safeties if they do that. 
Um, but just, oh, man, the jeez, the owner chose these coordinators. So you know, we worry about change and all that stuff right now. Get that out of the way. I know that was your first thing you talked about. You know, bringing new coordinators in. You know, I'm not worried about that right now because the owners are going to choose them uh, again. So we we have to deal with ones that we have now. It's going to be a, a similar situation next next year. But as far as this game, you know, there it's going to be there. The quarterback might be hurt. He's got to make some plays. Maybe take some pressure off the finger with running the ball and continue to throw between the numbers. I'm not worried about Mike Evans so much. I think that Slay will do a decent job on him. But he's really he's their only playmaker that I worry about. He really is. That said, right, so, uh, the Eagles are going to lose on Monday. Here's the Eagles' three most important players coming into this game. The quarterback, obviously. Yeah. The wide receiver, A.J. Brown. Slay. Right. All three of them are injured. <laughs> the three most important players on the yeah, team. Yeah, that's you're probably right. Aren't banged up. And, and in this game, the three most important I, players I totally agree. are not 100%. And, 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 so and that's saying they're still healthier healthy, than they've been in weeks. Uh, okay, but that doesn't mean I know. they're healthy. That's what I'm telling the you. The quarterback still lose. and the main offensive guy not healthy. <laughs> right, I, I get that. Uh, but he, he, they just, the, the defensive line, it would be a good week for the defensive line to help everybody out here and get home. And maybe get to Baker Mayfield. Maybe pop him a couple times early in the in the midsection. He's got that rib injury he's dealing I, I, listen, with. You, what you say is correct, right? But what we're talking we're talking about the realistic possibility. Yeah, they're going to lose. This is what I deal <laughs> I deal in realistic possibilities, right? So I I could sit here and say, oh yeah, the front four has to step it up. Where are they? What are they going to do? Are they are they rechargeable batteries? These guys, do you plug them in? Like an electric car, you know, I, they're going to be ready to roll. They've been really they're played out. I, I agree. I, it's a shame because I think hopefully Slay has something left. Because and maybe he could have played the last couple of weeks, but maybe they said let's just save him for the playoffs. I like to about think, Slay. Well, they're going to they're going to need him you, to step you, up. You divert. You divert. You were just talking about the defensive front. Yeah, All of a sudden, oh, you go to Slay. Well, I'm All trying right, to, to find a way for them the to win the game. Talk to me about how we're going to plug themselves in to regenerate. They can't. They really can't because they're two young guys are washed for the year. They're not. They're washed. They're not washed for the well, year. What but are they're you out saying? Of gas. What are you saying? I, You're not talking. In I'm saying their young guys are are out of gas and their veterans are washed, and okay, that's why so this team can't get home. Is it? Do you think their front four is going to be able to? Dominate? I don't think they will at all. I, I'm telling you, they're going right. to lose the game. Are, are, are you saying? Before we get off of this, yeah. are you saying that you don't believe the Eagles will win? Because you just didn't you you just painted a blurry picture, Frank. I've said three like, times you, well, they're going to said, lose. The Eagles are going to be healthier than they have been the whole time. Yes, I, I'm, I'm trying to find a positive spin. Up. I'm just trying to find uh, a positive. Uh, if you want, I need the realistic spin. The me. realistic spin okay? is they don't have enough horses on the defensive line, and they're not going to get home, and they're not going to win the game. Because ah, we Eureka, we get to the conclusion. You believe they won't win the game, Mike? I love you. I said it four times. They're going to lose. I hate to say it. Okay, I hate to uh, say it. I you right, know now, I hate to say that. I painted a totally negative picture, and I think they're going to win. 
You pay a negative picture. I paid a, and you say I tried to find a positive. We'll spin. see what happens. I tried to find a positive spin with their I help. I don't think this is a monumental task <laughs> for them, even though they are falling apart at the seams. I am not convinced that this team is going to be bad enough to lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round. Now, maybe I'm an idiot. And uh, and I, I'm really an Eagle hater right now for what I've seen over the last several weeks. I just have a hunch that there is no way that Tampa Bay, if it was any other team they were playing, I would never make a case for the Eagles with. This is the only team in this whole bonanza that I believe is capable of losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eight times out of ten, I would completely agree with you. However... I see this sideline. I've seen, I've checked out in too many faces of too many of these players. And that scares me. Uh, okay. Darren thinks they're going to lose. You get a final score? They're going to lose something like, they're not going to score a lot of points, like 20 to 16. It's not going to be a fun game to watch. 20 to 16, maybe. Yeah. 20 to 16. Yeah, I like 22. And uh, I, uh, I see this For the Eagles? In, a, in a spot. No, I like him to, win, to score 20. Oh, okay. Uh, so it puts me in a precarious spot because I don't think they're going to cover the number. But the, the only number I can come up with the Tampa Bay, I can't come up with 18 or 19. So you so go I, push. I'll come, with, I'll come up with 2017 and, and it's a, a kissing your sister. And push. <laughs> I got 20 to 16 uh, loss. By the way, line I, opened Tampa, at one and a half. You always talk about the sharp money. So maybe you're on to something here. Line open at one and a half, shot right up to two and a half within a day, has gone right, up to I'll three. I'll go 2017. That's not going to help anybody as far as you no. play the game, but I'll go no. 2017 Eagles. All right. Okay. There you go with the lowdown in the Eagles Bucks playoff game Monday night. Of course, you can see me on the post game show, the Jacob Media post game show Monday night. Uh, if you if you can stay up till 4 a.m., you'll you'll be able to see our post game show live, live from. Are we recording at 5 a.m. Our our reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I know. I've, I'm doing a post game show in the wee hours of the morning. Nine hours. Three people, three people rolling dice in the whole joint. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Flyers. Believe it or not, oh my God, the Flyers have become a story this week for only one reason: because the, the prize uh, draft pick of two years ago, Hunter Gauthier, Cutter Gauthier, and people say, "Well, who names their kid Cutter?" Lenny Dykstra's kid's named Cutter. I don't know. Who cares about what the kid's first name is? He plays for Boston College, and, and a, a change of heart, he says, I don't want to play for the Flyers. When they drafted him, he was all about playing for the Flyers. He since said he studied the equation of the Flyers and didn't like what he saw, didn't like the nature of the organization, all, all this turmoil, how they're starting over. Uh, he also seems to be a little spooked by the fan base here. Uh, and all of a sudden, the name Kevin Hayes comes into the picture. Kevin Hayes, a Boston College guy. Carter Gauthier, also a Boston College guy. There was a report from a guy who actually was another one of my producers back in the day who covers the Flyers and the Phillies for crossing broad here. His name is Anthony Sanfilippo. He had a report that said one of the factors in Carter Gauthier turning down the Flyers was that Kevin Hayes badmouthed the coach. Tortorella. I, now, I think uh, he said, tech, uh, quote, unquote, Mike, that he was told that Kevin Hayes' fingerprints were all over this. Yes. And 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 the, one of the fingerprints is that Kevin Hayes really uh, didn't didn't get along with Tortorella at the end and ended badly in the whole bit. Well, uh, John Tortorella spoke on this. Now, 
there's a there's a couple things that, as an old journalist I I pick up on that have nothing to do with the actual subject matter. But let's see, do we have Tortorella? Here we have okay, this is Tortorella address after the last Flyers game addressing this particular situation and in particular addressing the man who had that report uh, about Kevin Hayes' fingerprints being all over this. Is the is the guy here is there doesn't the guy here that that caused Kevin Hayes a problem? Yes. You? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Do you think Kevin Hayes is going to do something like that? It's Any last question? Person letting the first two by him. It, it just it pisses me off that, that you guys throw that around and affect someone's life. Kevin Hayes and I had a problem. Uh, we couldn't come to an agreement on how to play. That's a good man. That's a good man. And, and what you said is going to stay with him. It'll, it'll, that, that's what you guys don't understand. You say something, and you're going to sit there and say you have the right source. And I call Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. So there it is. Um, he's got a point. In that um, a, a report like that, if it's not totally accurate, it really puts the, throws the Kevin Hayes under the bus as a rat. Um, so you, you got to be really um, um, diligent about your sources before you report something like that. Here's the thing that popped out at me. Anthony St. Flip has been covering the flies for a long time. Twitterella didn't know who he was. <laughs> so Twitterella goes, is the guy who filed the report here? You mean to tell me you've never crossed paths with him? Like, that's off the subject. So let's get back on the subject. If the guy doesn't want to play for your organization, he doesn't want to play for your organization. Uh, you know, what are you going to do about it? it? It happened to J.D. Drew. These guys have a choice if they want to play in a particular city or not. So uh, here's what's going to happen to that poor kid. He's going to get excoriated by this flower fan base. There's going to be death threats. They're going to throw stuff on the ice when the kid comes here. Fortunately, he's in Anaheim. He only come here like one time. Uh, but but the kid is obviously an immature kid, and when he if he looked at the landscape, the Flyers are a team that has tremendous support from their fan base, misguided support from their fan base. They are loyal to a fault. The people that follow this team. So I don't know what kind of information he got, and if he listened to one guy poison him because the guy didn't like the head coach, well yeah, that kid's got to grow up. But he's gone. And uh, he's not public enemy number one to me. He made a choice. So his choice is now to sign with the, with the Ducks and play there in their organization or wait out his total college career where he can become a free agent. I, I can't blame the kid because, see, we take this stuff personally. Well, you don't want to play with us. You're a, you're a bad guy. Well, no, he's not. He just didn't want to play here. All right? He made a decision. All right. This isn't like free agency. You know, we, don't, we don't bitch and moan about free agency. Yeah, but you got free agency to, to, to earn the right to play where you want to play. All right, let's go with the Sixers. I've said it before. How many times have I said this? The Sixers can't win without Embiid. Now, I don't know how many teams can win a championship without their star player, so don't get me wrong here. But this team is not good enough to overcome the loss of him at all. They don't have other people that can carry them to a victory. Now, like, if Milwaukee was without Giannis... They've got a guy named Damian Lillard who can carry him. 
or or maybe a guy like Middleton who throws in some or you know Portis and Brook Lopez guys like that. Okay, I, I, they they have won games without Giannis. The Sixers just can't win games without Embiid, and that's problematic because when you look at him, you go, you had a pretty deep roster, but they have a deep roster of players who don't make that much of a difference. Now Maxi does obviously, but Maxi is not the superstar level guy that can carry a team without Embiid. Case in point, he scores 32, they still lose. So he doesn't have that rub-off effect yet where he can carry a team without their best player to a victory. Now, this doesn't mean anything except because the Sixers are going to be in the playoffs with Embiid. So it doesn't matter how they look now. Uh, until we get to the playoffs, we'll see how good they are, and we'll see with, with – uh, all, all these these role players who come in and eat up minutes and whether they can utilize them. And speaking of one of those role players, maybe it's me and maybe I'm a cynic. Marcus Morris got the key to the city today. And I go, why? <laughs> was he was he like a former mayor? Like why would Marcus Morris Get the key to the city. I, I, I'm sorry. I know people go, oh, you're too cynical and you're too negative. I'm, I'm just asking a question. Would you, would you have woken up one day and said, you know who deserves the key to the freaking city? Marcus Morris. Let's make it happen. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, man. I get it. Now, let, me, let me get to this. Joel Embiid, uh, this never matters to me, but it matters to a lot of people, the MVP thing. doesn't matter to me at all. I, I couldn't care less who gets the MVP. And B got it last year. He is now in danger of not playing enough games to be eligible for the MVP since they changed the rules. But a lot of people bent out of shape about that. Um, is MB been out of shape? I got to think he is. He talks about the MVP all the time. So with this load management that is going down, has taught me one thing. Now, now listen, they've got to be careful with him, so I'm not blaming him. But this load management thing has clearly defined what the NBA is now. It is just a trot to the playoffs. That's all the NBA season is. It's a trot to the playoffs. Nobody cares about the regular season. Nobody cares about playing through the regular season. Nobody even cares about being eligible for awards anymore. They care about preserving their players to, until the playoffs, which makes the whole regular season a sham. And I sit there and I go, Adam Silver, you've got to recognize these kind of things. They've tried to put in these flimsy rules to prevent guys from sitting out for load management. And you know what all those players have done? And the, and the coaches and management? Eh. They've got their hand under the chin. But what do we care? So I don't know. I don't, like, I don't understand it. Uh, the only solution to this problem is to reduce the amount of games that they play, which I know will never, ever happen because that's telling owners you got to give up revenue. Now, what owner's going to give up revenue? Not going to happen. Reduce the season to 65 games? You got a good NBA season. You go right to the playoffs. All right. That'll take care of the top of the Mike Missnelli podcast. We talked the Eagles Bucks. We talked Flyers with Cutter Gauthier. We talked Sixers with Joel Embiid. And Marcus Morris, who got the key to the city. So now it is time for Mike Unleashed. Oh boy, Mike Unleashed. Let me just um, let me start with um, Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee. 
Now, you've probably uh, surmised that I am not a big fan of either man uh, as we we get into this little subject. And if you were, unless you were on Mars uh, last week, you know what what happened uh, on the Pat McAfee show. Every Tuesday, he has Aaron Rodgers as a guest. And every Tuesday, without fail, this wacko goes into these weird cons- uh, conservative theories. Uh, like they're just, he, he, he can't help himself but mention, talk about the vaccines and this and that and, and rip the management and ESPN and, and, and the whole thing. And, and so this time was the Jimmy Kimmel issue. Now, Jimmy Kimmel has made it a point to bounce Aaron Rodgers around in his monologues. He's not a fan of Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy Kimmel comes off as a very liberal guy as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, comes off as very conservative. So he's made a lot of jokes about Aaron Rodgers and, and his kind of spaceman attitude about this whole thing. So that's all well and good to get back at him. But what you can't do is insinuate that the guy is a pedophile. You just can't do it. It's, it's not proper to go that deep. It's like Aaron Rodgers was such a baby and he couldn't put up with a couple jibes on a Jimmy Kimmel show that he had to reach for the most severe insult that he could, could come up with, which was the Epstein thing and the pedophilia, suggesting that maybe Jimmy Kimmel was on the list. So I made it a point to watch the show. I don't watch the show. I have no reason to watch the Pat McAfee show. But instead, I watched it just to see if Aaron Rodgers would have the integrity to say just the very least, at the very least say, you know what, maybe I went a bit too far. I wanted to insult him. I wanted to get back at him. I've taken a lot of shots from him, but uh, I shouldn't have gone into that area. I was waiting to hear that because at that point I would say, well, at least he's got a little integrity. He didn't go near apologizing. In fact, all he did was foster more theories. And it finally reached an ebb where, uh, I don't know, ESPN apparently doesn't have control over Pat McAfee. And maybe he decided himself, after getting this crazy feedback, you got to get this guy off the air. So he gets him off the air. He celebrates getting him off the air. He turned his back on, on Aaron Rodgers by saying nobody's here to, to listen to political discourse. Today, he has him back on the show. Now, I, I don't know what to make of this whole thing. Because here's what my theory is. My theory is this. So the, what, what happened was, this lunatic, when he goes off on all his theories like Tucker Carlson, he's a media member. And um, you do not accept the responsibility of challenging false ranting when they're irresponsible. Instead, he and his gang, this is McAfee now. He and his gang on the show, which includes that stiff A.J. Hawk, who looks like a lab experiment where some mad scientist removed part of his brain, yucked it up with Rogers like some bro boy. That's how they handled that situation, of the Kimmel situation. So then the bosses laid down the hammer, if they did. He reverses his field, and he kind of says good riddance. And then a day later, he brings him back on because people then accused McAfee of being a sellout. By saying, oh, you caved in. So he has him back on today just to talk about football. What has happened to today's sports media? Is there an ounce of integrity left in sports media? Like, how are you, Pat McAfee? You have a show. He goes off on a tangent. He brings up Jimmy Kimmel and pedophilia. How do you not have 
one stitch of integrity to say, yo, Aaron, don't you think you've gone too far? What is this world coming to? And these are the kind of shows that somehow gain success. I, I just don't understand it. Let me give you my A.J. Hawk imitation. <laughs> Dude, I, said, I, I honestly thought he was an A.I. robot because I've never heard him speak. He just stands there. It's an extreme close-up, and he's wide-eyed, and he says nothing. Why is the camera on him? Why? This is an example of McAfee and his bro buds. <laughs> right? Let's have him on. And let's, let's gather a bunch of nudniks to sit around me on the set and agree with everything. I, I, just, I, I just don't understand this world anymore. I'm really, I'm a young soul at heart. I get it. I get it. You're trying to cultivate a young audience. But give me a freaking break. Be a bro boy, but when he says Jimmy Kimmel might be on a pedophile list, have the integrity to say, yo, Aaron. Two words, so you had to say, yo, Aaron. All right, let's move on to the second beef this week. Oh, my God. You talk about a lightning beef. Stephen A. Smith, my bud, and Jason Whitlock, not my bud. Um, if you, <laughs> you heard the rant, I, I don't want to play because it's, there's a lot of expletives in it. Uh, but he said he called him a piece of S and he called him a fat bastard many times. Now, uh, I may not have handled it publicly with expletives like Stephen A did. Uh, if I were Stephen A, I would have made a direct point to kick his ass, frankly. Forget the words. I would run into him somewhere and flatten his fat ass. <laughs> All right. But here's what I'll say about Jason Whitlock because I have a little bit of experience with him. He is one of the most disingenuous people that I have ever come across in the media. And here's the demented trick he uses. Oh, I'll go the opposite way of the views of my culture's obvious struggle just to be accepted by white people. And you know what that does? It fuels further racism. Because then bigoted white people can say, see, we must be right because this black media dude agrees with us. That's the kind of phony he is. So the stuff he said about Stephen A, he deserves an ass kicking, not, not a thrashing on a podcast or whatever it was. Okay. I got the beefs out of the way on Mike Unleashed. Let's go to the newsy stuff. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, two of the greatest coaches in their respective sports, gone. Now for Belichick, he'll wind up somewhere. He's 71 years old. He still wants a coach, which I really don't understand. Uh, but it was it was time for him to go. You saw the erosion of the New England Patriots franchise in the last few years. The quarterback situation is a mess. So if I was Robert Kraft, I would have done the same thing and, and done it gracefully, which is what they did. And now he's a free agent, and there are teams like Atlanta and Washington that will probably be knocking at his door. Not the Eagles. I don't think that they'll go there because the one thing you should know is that Belichick wants control. And uh, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Rosen ain't giving up control for Bill Belichick. So just forget about that. Uh, let's, uh, I get, first of all, I would have, as a journalist, a difficult time covering both those men. I'll give you full disclosure. Uh, I don't uh, know why coaches, like they're not the Pope, they're coaches. One's an NFL coach, one's a college coach. Get off to thinking that they have the license to demean people 
supposedly lesser than them just because they're in the media. The people in the media got a job because they they wanted the job in the sports media. It's their it was their interest. It already comes with enough crap that you have to deal with high pro, uh, profile professional athletes who look down on you every chance you get. I don't know why grown men think that they have a license to treat people who are just trying to do their job with such disrespect. So you're not going to have me get here and say that these are great men and I'm going to praise them to the high hill. They were great coaches. They did what they thought they needed to do. They were very successful. They'll go down in history as two of the greatest coaches ever. Saban will wind up replacing Lee Corso, I predict, on game day. And he'll live happily ever after. The new coach at Alabama, I'm predicting, will be Dabo Sweeney, who's got the Alabama connection, even though people in Bama hate him. He does have an Alabama pedigree. I think they'll reach out for Dabo. So roll tie with whoever you're going to hire. You're more successful than Penn State. I can't say a word. Saban, you're great. If I covered you, there would have been a wrestling match every day. I guarantee you. And you're lucky you had. Alabama media down there who cowered in your in your presence. All right, that takes care of that. Um, the NCAA portal. People are up in arms about the NCAA portal. They don't know what to do with it. Let me tell you the uh, history of the NCAA portal. Uh, now, uh, there used to be a rule where you, if you wanted to transfer from one school to the other, you had to sit out a year. They realized that was overly punitive. In fact, if that was challenged in the court, that would have about to go down just like every other case that the NCAA had has gone down. And that's why now there's the NIL and they're paying players. So now they loosen it. Let me avoid this lawsuit. We'll let people transfer it wherever they go. The only restriction on it is you have to get a special approval if you transfer twice. I don't know of anybody who's been turned down transferring twice. These players go at different college every year these days. So I don't know. Let me bring Darren in here. Is this harmful or helpful to college athletics? Uh, you know, I think it's a necessary evil. Like, there's no better option for these kids because they do deserve, at some point, some financial. And I know a lot of they're getting free college. Don't give me the free college education. I get that. Wait, 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 you're confusing the issues. They're they're getting financial. They're getting they're getting NIL money. Whether they transfer or well, not. Well, I know, but like So what are we tra- talking about? Transfer here? You don't know, think Archie Manning Arch. Uh, Arch Manning at Texas is getting L- L- NIL money? He was third string. He's still getting NIL. It's not about the money they're not getting. It's about the opportunity to start somewhere. Well, they can't go back though. Like you can't go like they started this portal system, right? So you can't like stop what are you gonna stop it now? I'm, that's not what I asked you. I asked you no, to think it's good I, I, so or bad. I, so I'm saying, football. like, I don't think you can say, like, you can't stop it now. So is it good or bad? It's a necessary evil uh, as well. Like, it's just you have to give them that opportunity because you started it. You can't just say, all right, we gave the last four years of athletes, like, this opportunity to make that move because of COVID. That's really the reason why it started. And, and now say, oh, now you don't get that here's, opportunity here's why, anymore. Here's why, it, here's why it's appropriate. It's appropriate because the only reason high-profile athletes go to college is not academic. High-profile athletes are going to college in hopes 
that they can win enough points at that level in however many years they play to get so, to pro let, football. So the NCAA has come out and said the portal's now a problem because these people that these kids that transfer to another school, uh, it's proven that their academic uh, 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 record suffers and they don't get their degrees. They're not there to get I a degree anyway. And, and let me ask you this. So what's the difference? All right. And I know, like, obviously, there's a difference between college athletes and pro athletes. But isn't this, is this, in essence, free agency for top collegiate athletes? Yes. Athletes? Yeah, it's free agency. Yeah. It should be free agency. Because if you're recruited to go to a school and you're not the starter, well, what else are you going to do? You, what, you're going to enjoy college life? You're there for one reason, to get to the next level. So you've got to find another school that will provide you that opportunity to get to the next level. Like, I guarantee you now that Arch Manning, the son of Cooper Manning, the older brother, who was a big recruit, now now Ewers, the starting quarterback, announced yeah, today that he is coming back. Now, why would Arch Manning stay at Texas? What's he going to hope that Ewers gets hurt and that's his only chance to play? He's got to transfer now. You know, uh, yeah, and I, and, and I would have no problem with that because I want to see Arch Manning play. Like, I've seen the kids' high school tape. And I can't remember any high school prospect at quarterback better. I, he looks amazing. But that said, like the he wasn't better than yours. He, he wasn't better than yours. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I never saw yours. He high didn't start tape. over yours. <laughs> well, he didn't I, start he's, over. He's it doesn't matter what it his high school tape was. Though. He has seen a lot more. He's one year old. But he's seen more. He's played two years in that system. When, when Arch Manning went to Texas, do you think he thought he would start as a freshman? No. I think that's why he went there. Oh, what are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He was the most sought-after quarterback in the nation. I'm you don't think he went you, to Texas thinking he was going to start? I don't know this for sure, but I, it's been kind of like nudged to me that, that, that he went there because his dad and his uncles wanted him to sit a year and learn and not jump right into it under Sarkeesian. All right. Well, guess what? He's not sitting two years. So maybe no, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying he's not going to transfer. It's possible like Temple gets him. Maybe Temple can get him. Maybe the transfer portal now. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. Temple can get some L yeah. NIL money. His sister's ass uh, say Temple gets <laughs> But let me just say one thing about Temple. I was at the Temple basketball game last night. Uh, they played East Carolina. Now, students were on break. There, there couldn't have been 300 people at the game. And, and I just remember the days when John Cheney was the coach and it was exciting Temple basketball. And I look at it now and I go, oh, my God, what has happened to that poor school? Yeah. Uh, so, listen, I, I have great empathy for Temple's programs, football and basketball. But I'm going to say something that is probably, uh, well, I don't know. So many people have said it. I would put all my money into the basketball program and I would disband football and I would crank up my NIL so I could at least be competitive and a, a national semi-national power in basketball. They've got a really good arena and with NIL money, they could get some really good recruits. I kind of agree uh, with you there. I love the program, the basketball program there. Absolutely. All right. That takes care of Mike Unleashed for today. A lot of uh, uh, venom in Mike Unleashed for today. <laughs> and again, let me do my uh, AJ Hawk uh, imitation. <laughs> <laughs> the mouth's closed. It's just mouth, close the mouth. There you go. <laughs> All right.
Let's move on. The show continues with three questions from Mike Miss. We haven't heard three questions three. of Mikey Miss in a really long time, so let's rock. All it. right, three questions, Mike. Uh, I just got back from vacation. If you could take your daughter, you know, your daughter's, you know, she's older now. She's got married. If you could take Kira anywhere on vacation right now, just you and her, dad, daughter, vacation, where would you take her? I, I, I've taken her to Italy. Uh, so I, I would actually love to take her back to Italy to, uh, to where my family's roots are. The town of Missanello in the uh, province of uh, Potenza and um, meet my relatives and have her meet all, all of our relatives. What part of Italy is that, Mike? Uh, that is... Uh, it's in the lower, uh, near the near the boot heel, uh, is where that is. The okay. if you can look it up, it's uh, the province. There's a the province, and there is the hold on a second. The region is Basilicata. Okay, and the province is Potenza. And if you Google Missanello, that's my hometown. Right, that's cool. I come from Missanello. Right. I like that. That's cool. That's a good answer. So, so there you go. And in fact, uh, I've told this story many times, so I'll tell it again since you brought up my, my, my trip with my daughter last time we were in Italy. Uh, we, uh, our first day was in Rome, and I, uh, I said, let's take a walk and, and get lunch. Uh, let's go down uh, let, the, these little uh, Italian little uh, villa, uh, uh, bistros on side streets which i i always wherever i am that's where the best food's going to be off the beaten track family uh run and all that kind of thing so we find a a, a, pl- a little place called bruschetta and it's got the outdoor tables and, and the whole bit and so we sit down and the the waiter comes out and he was a middle-aged gentleman grayish hair but very affable guy as all italians are uh, and uh, he hears us uh, talking to each other, and he realizes that we're Americans. So he comes over, and he says, uh, hey, hey, where, where are you from? And um, I said, well, from Philadelphia. Oh, in Philadelphia. And he's got the hands down like this. Oh, Philadelphia. Eagles. And I go, <laughs> yeah. And he says, and I swear to God, I'll know. He says to me, hey, at McNabb. A choker. <laughs> and I just almost <laughs> fell off my chair. Here's a waiter in a side street in Rome, follows the Eagles, and called McNabb a choker. I thought he was a transplanted Philadelphian. <laughs> McNabb, a choker. Mika, Fanabola. <laughs> All right. That's question, question number two. one. Oh, man. Question number two. Playoffs to start, Mike. What is the most memorable playoff game or playoff situation you remember in any sport as a writer and a journalist? Oh, it, well, it was the game I covered, the national championship game in 1989, was it? Seton Hall, Michigan, uh, in Seattle. And uh, the reason why it's memorable for me is because I was on a strict deadline. The inquiry's deadline at the time was 10.30 p.m. sharp. You had to file something earlier than that, but 10 p.m. was the final deadline. The game was on the West Coast in Seattle. So I'm already on the nub of my deadline, and the game is going down the wire. Now, this is when Seton Hall was the Cinderella story. 
they had won like four games in a row on the road. They never came back to uh, East Orange, New Jersey. So they were beating Big Bad Michigan, who had Glenn Rice, Sean Higgins, uh, um, Ramil Robinson. They were stacked. So Seton Hall has a one-point lead in the game as we go into the final seconds. My desk back at the Inquirer is screaming for me to get the story in. My phone is ringing. There's like a telephone. And I'm going, hey, we get that story. I go, the game's not over yet. There's seconds left in the game. Let me, let me alone. Well, so I go, okay, there's a timeout. I write the six best paragraphs of my life. I mean, it was brilliant pro. I don't even know where it came from. It just flowed through my head onto the screen about Seton Hall's great victory. They're up one. Michigan has the final possession. There are three <laughs> seconds left in the game. And Ramil Robinson drives to the basket, and they blow the whistle. They call a foul. Now, I didn't see a foul, but they called the foul. And people were buzzing through the whole arena. Ramil Robinson goes to the line. Now, I'm ready to push the send button on my computer because I got this brilliant story that Seton Hall won. Now I'm held up until this, this guy shoots the foul shot. I rummage through the stats. I see that Ramil Robinson is a 44% foul shooter. I go, I, I got it. I'm going to send the greatest story I've ever written. He makes the first to tie. He makes the second to win it. I got to rip up my whole story, write six of the fastest paragraphs I've ever written before I send it. Now that's a memorable playoff game as, as a reporter. That is great. I love the anxiety and the stress of you in that moment. That is fantastic. Oh, that's question number two. Question number three. Uh, this is going to be proof. Uh, once again, proof that we don't uh, talk about these questions prior to the show. Mike, I just got back from Disney World. If you had to identify with any Disney character of any movie, who would it be? <laughs> Uh, how about the, that? How about that? That dude in uh, 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 Beauty and the Beast, Gaston. Oh, Gaston! You know what? That's a good one for you. He was kind of a prick, like you. <laughs> <laughs> Handsome and muscular. Oh yeah, well that's sure. Of, but kind of an obnoxious pain in the ass. <laughs> that's great. That's a great answer. Marie, Marie, the baguette. <laughs> No one sings like Gaston. No one drinks like Gaston. And that's three questions for Gaston. All right, that's three questions. All right, time to sign off. Uh, did we miss anything here, Darren? Uh, happy birthday to my Allie, Alexandra, 12 years old, Mike, the associate producer of the Aww. show. Well, one year away from being a teen. Two uh, teens you'll have. Yeah, two teens I'll have. Kill me. Very nice. Well, congratulations to Allie on her 12th birthday. All right, uh, Folks, thanks for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it today as we go into a Monday night. We will have a podcast early Tuesday morning to rehash this season if it's over and to continue it if it's not. You can reach me at email, mike at mikemiss.com. You can check me out on Twitter, mikemiss25. Uh, and I guess that's about it for, for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.